Good evening to you all and thank you for joining us once more for this evening of praise, worship, testimony and teaching at the Salvation Army. Amazingly, this is already the seventh meeting of this kind that we've been privileged to share together since the lockdown started and our army halls, like all other churches, were closed for the duration. Let's get our meeting off to a great start tonight by joining together with song number 976, Shout Aloud Salvation, with that great chorus, March on, march on, we bring the jubilee, fight on, fight on, salvation makes us free, we'll shout our Saviour's praises over every land and sea, as we go marching to glory. I sometimes like to look at the Bible reference linked to our great army songs. There seem to be a few modern thinking people these days who might say that a song such as the one we've just sung isn't really the type of song we ought to be singing anymore. It seems to them perhaps a little bit old-fashioned, a bit jingoistic, a bit army-barmy if you like. You know, I really don't have a problem with that at all. We're singing our Saviour's praises and promising to spread it far and wide around the world he created. I say to you, if we really believed the words of that last verse with all our hearts, the army, in the Western world as well as in Africa and other continents, would be growing like we've never seen it before in our lifetimes. It's a psalm, in fact, in the same way that the linked Bible passage I mentioned is a psalm. Except that this original was written by Isaiah. Chapter 42, verses 10 to 13. It's a psalm of praise to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that's in it, you islands and all who live on them, let the wilderness and its towns raise their voices. 
Let them shout from the mountain tops. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a champion. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and triumph over his enemies. We are a singing people, a marching people, a praising people, and that's just great. But the question I asked is a very real one. Are we truly a believing people? Sometimes I have to say that I feel the belief in our message as an army has wilted a bit. We've seen the army decline in numbers and our membership over years or decades has gone down and some of us tend to be sometimes a bit more of the opinion or resignation that we might fizzle out completely before we turn the corner and start putting it right. There have certainly been times when I felt that way and I've said as much to friends and family. But it's just the devil's talk. As we go to pray now, let's ask God to help us believe. Believe in him, of course, but to also truly believe in our, his, mission. And we'll listen to the songsters sing Major Yvonne Field's beautiful song, Lord, I Believe. Then Lieutenant Colonels Cedric and Lynn Hills are going to lead us in prayer this evening. Ced is Chief Secretary and Lynn the Territorial Secretary of Women's Ministries in the Indonesia Territory. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you.
We are living through uncertain days when everything that felt sure is shifting under our feet. Daily routines have changed. Daily connections have changed. It can all be a little overwhelming. Psalm 61 says to us, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. As we come together in prayer, can I invite you to stand with me on the rock, to feel safe and secure in our faithful and unchanging God. Father God, as we bow before you in prayer, we thank you that you are unchanging, our solid rock in times of uncertainty. We praise you that your love is constant and never-ending. Your strength is matchless and totally dependable. Your knowledge is perfect and your wisdom deeper than the deepest ocean. Lord, whatever our circumstances, thank you that we can trust you. We are invited not only to stand on the rock, but to rest on the rock. If you've ever walked up a mountain, you will have taken moments on that journey to sit down, to take off your backpack, to put down the load you are carrying and rest. Our faithful and unchanging God invites us to put down all that we are carrying in our heads, hands and hearts, our anxieties, our responsibilities, our concerns for family and friends. In a moment of quietness, we put down those things that have become burdens for us. In his video message this week, General Brian Peddle, our international leader, responded to a question. General, how can we support you in prayer? By simply encouraging us to pray for the International Salvation Army family. So let's do that together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for raising up the Salvation Army. We thank you for the internationalism of our army for a worldwide church that embraces the same message, mission and motivation. We thank you for the rich diversity of our ministry. In these days of pandemic, we remember particularly our medical personnel serving in hospitals and clinics, providing medical care in large cities and small rural villages. Lord, protect our medical staff from the virus as they openly welcome those who suffer illness and distress. We remember in prayer our social institutions, places of safety and refuge for children, the elderly and the homeless. Watch over all residents, staff and carers, we pray. We think of our core, situated in more than 130 countries and many currently unable to meet in physical fellowship and denied the opportunity to share in our usual programmes. Lord, as core members, we pray you will unite us in love and care for one another, 
as we seek to find alternative ways to worship you, new ways to meditate upon your word, and different opportunities to serve our communities. Lord, bless your army, we pray. On Mount Sinai, after the wind, earthquake and fire, God spoke words of reassurance to Elijah in a still, small voice. On the rock I find myself on higher ground, away from the noise of the media. As I listen for the still, small voice, my eyes are lifted to a new perspective. Hear his words of reassurance from Deuteronomy 33. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And from Joshua 1 verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you, Father, for your promise to hold us in your arms. Thank you, Father, that although I may feel lonely at times, I know I am never alone. You are always with me. So I stand on and rest in your promise. For I am certain that nothing can separate us from his love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers, or powers, neither the present nor the future, neither the world above nor the world below. There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Sed and Lynn, for leading us in that lovely time of prayer. We're going to sing again now, and it's one of the great modern songs of affirmation. One of those songs that has spread right through the Christian church in the last couple of decades. Yes, it really is 20 years old next year. In Christ Alone is number 861 in our Salvation Army songbook. Let's raise our voices together and let the world know we are saved.
It's testimony time now. And I want to say thank you to all those who are still sending their testimonies in to me each week. They were getting a little bit slow, but I've had a good rush this week and we've already got one or two in the bank ready for the next meeting. So, if you've been waiting for your chance, don't wait any longer. Record it on your phone or your tablet and send it to me at mark at markharry.com. That's Mark with a C, of course. And don't worry about any stumbles or hesitations. I can edit those out. To begin with, we're going to sing a chorus and then my very good friend Richard Borea from Havant near Portsmouth is going to share his very special testimony with us. The chorus we're going to sing is the chorus of song number 832 in our Salvation Army songbook. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. My name is Richard. I am a soldier at Portsmouth Citadel. How I came to be a Salvationist is rather strange. I used to help out in a charity shop. One day, my task was sorting the books. I kept finding books on the Salvation Army. I would go into other charity shops and there be a book on the Salvation Army. So, along with my then-girlfriend, we made our way to Portsmouth Citadel and became soldiers on 17 December 1995. In 1996 my world fell apart. My sister died, my girlfriend just left me and I was medically discharged from the British Army. I was a reservist army medic. I saw service in the first Gulf War. My health also went downhill. I lost my speech. It was linked to Gulf War Syndrome. I am now suffering from PTSD. After a time I became interested in Salvation Army history. This now my mission, to keep our army history alive. At Portsmouth Citadel I met a wonderful man called Mark. He became a very good friend. Through my love of army history I have made many friends around the world. On a lighter side of life I met General Andre Cox at New Horizons, while he was TC of the United Kingdom and Republic of Ireland. I had some of my heritage collection on display. He wrote on my book, Carry on keeping the army history alive. So you could say I am under orders to keep collecting army heritage. Thank you, Richard, for sharing those words with us. And if you who are listening have anything that you think Richard might be interested in, please let me know and I'll pass it on to him. We're going to sing another chorus now. It's, sadly, it's another one that we've lost from the book, but never mind. Praise him with melody, praise him with song. Sing of his holiness all the day long. Give him all majesty earth can afford. Praise him with melody, praise ye the Lord.
My name is Liz and I currently live in Plymouth. When I was growing up, all I ever wanted to do was teach. However, for one reason or another that has not worked out, and for the past 10 years I have found myself working in an office environment. I never thought that I would be here or that God would use me in this way. I've come into work and I've found prayer requests left on my desk. I've had the courage to support a colleague through a family tragedy. And recently I've helped another colleague back to faith. All this has happened while God has placed on my heart a call that is still being explored at this moment. I firmly believe that God places you in the right place at the right time, even if we can't see it at the time. In Proverbs 16 verse 9, it says that in his heart a man places his course, yet the Lord determines his steps. So I leave you with this challenge. Who will be next to let God lead the way and that to be open to how he will use them no matter where you are? Thank you, Liz Gilmore, and God bless you in your work. It sounds as if right now you are in exactly the place God needs you to be and you're being used by him in this extremely important way. May you feel his smile as you go about his work. Well, what else could we possibly sing after a testimony like that but song number 944, Just where he needs me, my Lord has placed me. Just where he needs me, there would I be.
Our Bible reading this evening is taken from John chapter 21, verses 1 to 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three, but even with so many the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, do you know that I love you? Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. The band piece this evening is based on another of those wonderful songs by Major Howard Davis. The Major is one of my favourite Salvation Army writers. Until you sit down and look at the tremendous list of songs he's contributed to our books, we just don't realise how many there are, and how excellent the songs are. A couple of years ago, a retired officer friend of mine from Australia, David Watson, sent me the Major's autobiography, in which he writes about each of his compositions. What a treasure that book is! It even comes with a disc featuring Howard's favourite recording of each song. How thrilled I was that one of my own vocal solos got to feature on that disc. Well, I referred in my meeting last week to the song, Lord, You Know That We Love You. And I spoke about the fact that we all do fail from time to time, but that Jesus will lift us up again, time and time again, just as he did Peter. Here's that lovely song, 
It's number 506 in the songbook if you want to either join in with the band or listen as they play and sing this beautiful song this evening. Lord, you know that we love you.
How would you like a second chance? Can you think of a time in your life when you'd just love to go back and have another go? I wonder what it would be. Let's think of a few examples in the brass banding world. Maybe you're a soloist playing in a big festival and so far it's going okay. Then you have that real tester. The high note when no one else is playing in your cadenza. You breathe, you blow and what comes out is nowhere near. Oops. I remember talking to a bandsman from Portsmouth who confessed his embarrassment when he blasted a note out in one of the silences in Eric Ball's Resurgum. A few years ago I was playing with a contesting band and I'm not talking like the fisherman who let the big one get away here. I don't honestly believe that there were many bands in the whole country, let alone our region, who could play that piece as well as we could. Our last few rehearsals had all the style and swagger, power and emotion that you could want. The notes were virtually immaculate, breathtaking solos. But on the day, in the arena, something just didn't click and we ended up letting ourselves down. What about football? Now there's a world where many, many participants spend their entire retirement dreaming of that one moment. England football supporters. Don't you think England might have won the World Cup in 1990 if Gaza hadn't got that second yellow card in the semi-final? At that very moment, a realisation hit him that even if they found the winning goal that they were seeking, he wouldn't be able to play in the final. And the tears welled in his eyes. His captain, Gary Lineker, saw this and pointed it out to manager Bobby Robson with a wry, devastated look on his face. And at that very moment, I think the heart dropped out of the team and of the millions of supporters who were watching on TV back at home. And it wasn't to be. My wife, Sarah, is a very dedicated Liverpool supporter. There are many wonderful, victorious moments from that club's history. Yet it seems the things that get shown on television more than any others are the mistakes. Firstly, it's Ronnie Rosenthal missing the easiest open goal in history. And it gets no more believable to watch with the passing of time Poor Ronnie. I looked it up. He scored over 120 goals in his career and you never get to see any of them. All he's remembered for is that one howler. Sarah's all-time favourite player is Steven Gerrard. What a legend. She has his name on her shirt, his face on her tea mug. She even has a little Stevie G doll in a box. He played over 700 games for one club over 17 years. Such loyalty. And he scored nearly 200 goals, despite not even being a striker. He won more than a dozen trophies and awards. But if he could go back to just one touch in one match in his entire career, we all know which one it would be to take a harmless pass from a teammate and simply pass it on to someone else was such a basic he could do it in his sleep. He did it 50 times a game. He did it 58 times in this same game. Yet just this once, something went wrong. And then to compound it, he slipped on the wet grass and the rest is history. That slip is the second thing that gets shown on telly a hundred times a season. Oh, for that second chance. Just as Thomas, who I spoke about last week, seems to be only remembered for his doubts on that one occasion, so Peter is eternally linked with his denials of Jesus on the night that the Lord was arrested. Now that may be partly because of Peter's own arrogance. It was he who was the only one to openly promise that even if everyone else deserted Jesus, he never would. He was the one who took out his sword and tried to defend Jesus against his arrest. Before that, it was he who was confident that he could, like his master, walk on the water. 
until he took his eyes off the Lord and found that without Jesus he couldn't do it on his own. And what about us? Do you feel that there are times in your life when you've let someone down? Badly? Your wife or husband, perhaps? Your boss at work? A close friend? Especially if you'd previously promised them that you'd never let them down. You would always be there for them. When you'd boasted about your loyalty just as Peter had done. My mum and dad were officers and I shared some of their joys and victories and sadnesses and failures by living at home with them for many years. I remember on one occasion finding my mum crying and going over to give her a hug, I asked her what was wrong. Apparently she'd promised to do something for one of the old ladies in the corps, but had kept on putting it off, and now that lady had died. The guilt that Mum felt came out of her eyes that day. Despite all her hard work, the devotion she showed to being a Salvation Army officer, the hundreds, the thousands of good things that she'd done for people every day of her life, it was that one failure that really hurt her, stung her deeply and no doubt it lingered in her mind for days, months, maybe years, I don't know. When I was a small boy of about eight years old, my father gave me a severe telling off for something that I'd done without thinking. I had said some words to a young lady in the corps where we were at that time that had reduced her to tears. Her mother was dying, and I'd made her feel even worse. Now I felt bad, really bad. So much so that that incident and the words I said, yes, I can still remember exactly what they were nearly 50 years later, haunted me. Just a few years ago, I was invited back to that corps with my mum to lead a weekend. And although that lady had left the army many years before, she came back for that event. How could I stand on that platform and preach with that guilt burning a hole in my heart? I just couldn't. This was my chance, at last, to put right the wrong. So I spoke to her, and without revealing the details, I told her that for so long I had needed to apologise to her, and now I wanted to do that to tell her how sorry I was for what I'd done. And do you know, she had absolutely no idea what on earth I was talking about. You see, that whole event had only ever lived on in my mind. It had only haunted me. I was the one who'd carried that burden for all those years. Even so, it was wonderful to cast that burden aside after all that time. She hadn't been reminded of my cruel, heartless words every time she'd heard my name mentioned in all those interim years. Not at all. It was like being forgiven by God. Never to be remembered any more, we used to sing. My sins rose as high as the mountain. They all disappeared in the fountain. Peter had been told on Easter Sunday that Jesus was alive. The Lord even made a point of asking the ladies at the tomb to go tell the disciples and Peter. Did that mean that Jesus acknowledged that Peter had resigned with his denials? And although Jesus had appeared to the disciples twice before as a group, they had no idea what lay ahead, what their plans might be for the future. Three years earlier, Jesus had called Peter, his brother and cousins from their fishing boats, telling them to stop catching fish and become fishers of men. So they just left their boats and their nets behind them, followed Jesus for three wonderful, miracle-filled years. But now, just weeks after the crucifixion, Peter had gone back to what he'd left.
he was fishing again, and not, in all honesty, making a very good job of it. We used to sing, didn't we? They toiled all night and they caught no fishes. <laughs> but then a stranger appears on the shore, telling them how they should be doing their jobs. Can you imagine how indignant they must have felt? A boat full of fed-up fishermen, tired and hungry after a fruitless night on the boat, being told what to do by some know-all who just happened to be passing by. They must have felt like shouting a few choice expressions and pieces of advice right back at him. Yet something must have stirred in the memory. Hadn't this happened before? Right back at the beginning? Yes! And it happened again, a net so full of fish that it almost broke the boat. My Lord! Just like me and the awkward conversation I had to have, they had to go back to where it all started if they were going to heal the wounds. Jesus took Peter aside after breakfast and asked him, Three times, one for each denial, how deep and true his love for him was. I'm not going to go deeply into the original language and the meaning of the three Greek words for love. There are better theologians than me to do that. But the outcome of the meeting was that Peter had learned not only forgiveness, but just as importantly, he had learned a bit of humility. Jesus had cut out the hurt and guilt from Peter's heart and his soul must have felt so light right then that I reckon he wouldn't have been able to stop smiling for hours. Jesus had given Peter an immediate opportunity to boast by asking him, do you love me more than any of the others do? And Peter could not, would not fall into that trap. He had learned his lesson. And neither, of course, should we. In the great words of Isaac Watts, in a hymn that was very much a favourite of William Booth and used by him on most occasions after he'd preached, we sing, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. As far as we know, and I like to think that this would be the case. That was the last time Peter ever went near a fishing boat. I like to think that there might have been an advert in the Galilee Times the next day. Second-hand fishing boat for sale, nets included. And of course, Peter became the rock. The foundation rock on which the whole of our Christian church was built. Hallelujah! So, how's your soul? Do you carry your burdens of sins and failures around with you today? Don't pretend that your relationship with Jesus is good if it isn't. The first point in putting a problem right is to admit that it exists. And the church is exactly the place for that to happen, right now, if necessary. Peter had to admit his failings in front of all the other disciples. Again, perhaps to show that he learned some humility. And they all knew that things would be okay from that moment on. Peter was back. Next stop, the world. And so I ask again, how is your soul? Bring your cares your failings, your worries, your sins, to Jesus tonight, and he will restore you, just as he did Peter. Do it now. Knowing my failings, knowing my fears, seeing my sorrows drying my tears 
song today gives us the chance to sing, clap and raise our voices in praise to the God we love, serve and adore. It's number 831, Come Ye That Love the Lord. And we're going to sing just the first four lines of each of the three verses and add the chorus, Praise Ye the Lord, Hallelujah. I'm sure you'll be able to work out how it goes. So, Bandmaster, a short intro, please, and let's hear those tambourines as we sing our hearts out to tell the Lord how much we love him.
know that we love you. Help that love to always be true. Fill our lives with your Spirit's power. Lord of love, make us strong. For we do, and always will, belong to you. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us until we can meet like this again. Amen. Thank you.